People like People like games Episode 43 of The People Like Games. I'm Solo. And I'm Lilo. And this is the best goddamn podcast in the gaming industry. Hell yeah. And if you ain't know, now you know. So, as per usual, if you know, you know. And if you're a new face, well, we first are going to start you off with a little bit of the prologue. And... The prologue in this case is just plugs because shit, we gotta do it somewhere. And we what do better it. time to do it than at the top? And so you can find us over on Twitter at People Like Games. Give us a follow, say what's up, let's, yep. let's banter, let's chat. Talk to us. We're this opinionated to have a podcast. Shit, let's talk on Twitter <laughs> too. And yep. anywho, other than finding us where to chat, you can also find the show uh, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Anchor, SoundCloud, and soon to be a few new places. And uh, we're going to be excited to announce that. But until then, those are the places. Give us a download, leave a review, and give us the five-star treatment. Show us some love, baby. Show us some love. Love, 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 because we're putting in that work. And... Before I hand the rock over to Lilo for the talk, I should note that we are going to be taking off for the next two weeks. Lilo and I wanted to basically go over a few things. We are setting up uh, for a grand relaunch of the show in September, and so take a few weeks, uh, work on some audio things, work on a few segments, this, that, and the other, but that's a note. you know, July is a bit of a slow month for gaming anyway. June sort of hits a peak. And so let's enjoy the summer as all people do. And we'll be back uh, last week of July with uh, that Fuego, as you know we Hell do. Yeah. And Good call. on that note, Lilo, and I'm with the talk. All right. Uh, in case you're wondering what the talk is, the talk is the table of contents. And so I'm going to give you a rundown of what our normal episode is like and then what we decided to do with this episode. So in this particular episode, rather in the normal episodes, we have four different segments. And those include the quick scope, the rumor mill, the game spotlight and our final lap topic. Quick scope is a summation of the industry, the news that happened in the past week that Solo and I really want to tell you. It's a good scope of pretty much both the business side and cool gaming news that we want to let you know. And it is right? not so that, quick, but it is punny. Therefore, <laughs> the name sticks. Quick is subjective to uh, your opinion and ours, but we think it's quick because it would take you a long time to read these fucking articles that we're reading. So we're yeah. giving it to you quick. Um, Follow up that up with Rumor Mill. Rumor Mill is where we go over essentially these new things that we think might happen or people have posted on obscure websites saying this is probably going to happen. This game's going to drop here. These, this game's going to have these things inside it. So that's what we like to do. Um, couple that right after Rumor Mill with the game Spotlight where I go over a game uh, that Solo or I have found and I have reviewed and it could be coming out in six months. It could be like... Have a, it could have already released, rather. And it doesn't really matter. The idea is that it's a game that should be under radar if you're a fan of video games in general. Final lap. 
is a topic that Sol and I decided we want to talk about at length. And it's whatever we feel like for that particular week. And did we hey, talk about show it? We're <laughs> Basically. Exactly. Basically. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're gonna talk about it. So this week it's a, a little bit different. We are gonna hit you with the quick scope, but instead of rumor mill, we're gonna go straight in the game spotlight because we have a little bit extra to talk about in the final lap, and so you'll hear about that. Um, that being said, why don't we just get straight into it, man? Give them the quick scope. So it is now time for the quick the scope. The quick scope. Hey, hey, hey. And without further ado, we're going to jump into one of my personal favorite topics, and that is Nintendo in the mobile market. Because if you have not heard my opinion on it before, do not fear. I quite enjoy giving my opinions unsolicited. And so, <laughs> it will always be, be there. It will always be there. Uh, it will literally always be there. Some will come up, Solo's opinion will be there. Yes. You're damn right. <laughs> Someone, someone's got to inform the masses. And uh, this is uh, a little game called Super Mario Run, which was Nintendo's initial foray into the mobile market with that sort of level of IP. And it did not really become a smash hit. Uh, if you've ever played the game, it is $10 to buy, and you could basically practice the first level, which is three maps. And then after that, you can't progress any further, but it's only a one-time cost, and then you own the game. It just surpassed $60 million in revenue after two years. Two years? It's Let, a long fucking time. Let's put that a little bit into perspective. How, how much revenue? I guess Fortnite's unfair to compare to, but you know, it's the new hotness. But we can give them reference. In we that can give them May reference with like three hundred and ten million dollars in one month. In one across month across all platforms. Well, with with mobile, they ended up making like a couple of million uh, within the first month. Animal Crossing, their other ones hit twenty million. Well, basically, and we had spoken at length about it on this show as well, which was that Nintendo learned a lesson from that and the game which was it is not worth uh, trying to cater to a, you know, individual purchase model. And instead, microtransactions are the way to go forward. And they then transitioned to that with Fire Emblem Heroes, which used that sort of microtransaction revenue model and ended up generating a, a little 300 million, a cool 300 mil in its first year. So as you can tell, um, with all future you know, Nintendo games moving forward, they're likely to move towards that model. Makes me a little worried about what it'll do to the potential Mario Kart mobile game, but okay, let's see. Nintendo's been fan servicey lately, so let's hope they don't try to push that on Nintendo. Uh, I think Mario Kart in and of itself is a game big enough to be able to be worth purchasing if they do it right with multiplayer online but hey if they they cross platform that shit and they switch it over rather i switch it over that's funny i was gonna say they combine it with the switch and you can play against those people on the switch i think it'd be sweet and it's also the only other thing oh go ahead i was just gonna say lastly it's just another example of how consumers end up digging their own graves when it comes to the financial models they have to take part in so that's true if everyone just paid a premium for a game, say $5, $10, then you would not have games that would be charging you 99 cents this, $10 that, like Pokemon Go per se, or whatever the case is. And so, I don't know. That, 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 that That's a note. So you guys start, you know, start being, use your wallet. Use your goddamn wallet. 
and then you'll get use your wallet you use your voice explain your voice is your wallet your when it comes to video games that's that's it. true that's true and My, what, were you, what were you what were you gonna say speaks. i to be honest it's already passed mm-hmm. but what you just said about how people should share their voice has sort of uh it leads directly into our next quick scope topic so Let's just roll with that. And this is sort of a more verbose one. It's definitely a longer article and more articulate, but I'm going to try my best to uh, keep it simple for you guys. Big words here. This Big article, words here. This article essentially is about take two. And in case life. you don't know. <laughs> uh, if you don't know who take two is... Um, Take-Two is the, the publisher for um, a lot of big games, including the one that's coming out this year that's going to be the biggest name, a.k.a. Red Dead Redemption 2. So there is an interview done with, uh, what is his name? Let me get it to you. Strauss Zelnick, who is the president of Two Take-Two. And they essentially go through a whole bunch of things, but what's interesting with what Solo just said is like... Um, so Rockstar Games in general, which Take-Two owns, uh, has made a fuck ton of money. And I, re- I mean that literally. I'm sorry it's explicit, but I've made a fuck ton of money with uh, Grand Theft Auto V. So you think of Grand Theft Auto V as literally being the most profitable ent- piece of entertainment in history ever, ever created. How does some company follow up with that? And that's what this interview was all about. Essentially, Take-Two's um, foray into the future and their their idea of what could happen with Red Dead 2. So it's pretty funny because Take-Two is cautiously optimistic, and this is what Strauss Zelnick said. How can he expect the game to be the most profitable? How can he expect the game to be competitive with the most profitable piece of entertainment of all time you really can't so they're tempering their expectations which is interesting uh another point that strauss said is that like i don't know if you guys followed e3 you should have been listening to the show because we did for you but rockstar didn't have too big of a presence there and that's something that was noted by a lot of writers around the gaming industry and strauss zelnick (laughs) spoke to that point and said, essentially, E3 was where Rockstar Games talked to consumers and analysts more to do business than to show off games. Why? Because they use it as a great place to get data points, data points for their future product of what the industry is trending towards and what they could do with their game. And that was actually pretty funny. So he sort of talked about why Rockstar wasn't there. Um, the next thing that I would mention, and this is like pretty much where I'm going to end it. It's a long article. I'm going to summarize it with two big ass quotes that Strauss said specifically. It's about how the gaming industry, you'd think that like we as fans are just following games, right? I guess solo, we're following games, we're following IPs, we're like, oh my God, that sounds really cool. But then we fall into the trap of everything's monetized, right? Everything's for your dollar. Everything's getting your extra buck. But Strauss Zelnick, the president of Take-Two is saying all the right things. And I, I'm gonna read these quotes, but I say them in my head with a little bit of cynicism that I take from Solo, and it's funny, because just listen to this. It's like, uh, this is what Strauss says. The type of engagement is going to vary from product to product. We're not focused on driving that engagement so we can monetize. We focus on entertaining the customers because that's what keeps them invested in our products, and then the engagement will naturally lead to revenue and profit if we do it properly. Makes sense. He's saying, we're catering to the entertainment value, the money's gonna come, great. But the next thing he says is also, our goal is to not use data and analytics to drive monetization to drive success. I know it sounds like a mother motherhood and apple pie, but it's actually what we do around here. And people will follow a company 
doing what they say as opposed to the words of its leadership. And no one has ever heard me say, hey, what's the nature of your last Tuesday's monetization? And did you content drop at 1 a.m.? Because blah, 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 blah. That's not a conversation we have at our company. These are all quotes that I take. And yes, they're a little bit out of context, but I, I take to illustrate that take two is fully aware of the trends in the gaming industry and how every company is essentially pushing towards the monetization of games and using data analytics to develop a game. That's what Solo and I have talked about at length uh, outside of the podcast, just how you can use data to make the perfect game to get people addicted. It's what Facebook does. It's the reason why all social media is as effective as it is, is because they use psychology and data against you to get you back. Games are fully aware of this, but Take-Two is saying at least publicly that they are not part of that saying that they're not that's yeah. not their end goal yeah but and that that's what any business uh, is going to say they're not gonna see, say we're here that's, for that's where i approach it too i think i mean we'll so see because they took they took a public publicity backlash from the whole scandal but they didn't necessarily take a loss financially so we'll see what their upcoming slate of games i mean Red Dead is definitely going to have its own, probably a GTA Online-esque, you know, purchasing system to be expected. Right, they're going to have multiplayer, so it's it's going to go there. As long as it's not as exploitative as Battlefront 2 was, like, so offensively, like, fucking exploitative that it was it was to a certain degree okay if you're if you're getting a certain cost you'll have to pay in-game cost, but to another degree it's oh, hey, you have to play either weeks of this game to get one thing yep. or... And especially some of the stuff. It was, it was bad how... They, they, took a, they took it a step too far, and now they're going to have to take a step back, but it's not going to be yep. a loss. It, it never hurts them because they'll, they'll figure out ways to make money. But on the note of data um, and related to... Um, a little uh, segment that we did, or not a segment, a couple of topics that we covered last week, more specific to Nintendo, but this is uh, our next story, and that is Microsoft has uh, filed for a patent for uh, an AI system that detects cheating. And last week we had covered how Nintendo had or have implemented their own system that basically allowed them to catch people who were trying to play games online and well, jailbroken switches jailbroken switches in essence and so this microsoft uh patent even though it was filed in 2017 according to digital trends it's only become public now so i guess that just means it's ready for examination but uh, basically, the way it would work was that uh, most games have a per game sort of uh, cheating uh, or cheating security mechanisms. But now that gaming mm-hmm. is moving predominantly online, they are able or are going to be able to do it through a platform based uh, method. And so basically, they're going to be looking to see if a player was able to cheat in the sense that they were able to game it. Uh, gain an achievement for a game where uh, those achievements were timed in a specific way. And so it is just looking for unusual patterns and activity of uh, achievement notifications, game score reports, and other interactions between a game and something like Xbox Live. And so I, I guess what it's saying is that if you go from zero to like a level 50 in an account, it'll be able to spot you, but I don't think that necessarily will apply to hacking 
a Xbox and trying to play it online. I think right, it's right, more right. specific to being able to, I guess, see that someone's so like the way people use hacks in PC gaming. I guess they do it in console gaming too. Right. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to give you an example of like imagine in Halo, right? You have a it's like counter, uh, to get like a Counter Strike back in the day was hack heavy. Like everyone hacked. Right. Of course. And they no. had the the I forgot what it's called CAC anti hacking thing, but it didn't really work out. No, it did not. The idea that I was going to give you, or at least the example, was like in Halo, say you had to get fifty headshots across all all modes or some shit like that, right? Fifty headshots total, but then all of a sudden you complete it in two games. That's you're an outlier, right? Most people it would take say ten to fifteen games. The game has trends; it has data points. I think the AI would see that you did it in two games. And can check your scores, be like, does your history say that you are a pro Halo player or a pro first person shooter player? Mm-hmm. Or does it highlight the fact that this is an outlier? And then I'm sure it just flags it for Microsoft to come and review and be like, this guy's obviously fucking hacking. And that's what we're doing. Because like, it's just looking for outliers in data. And if you think about everything, statistics, you can model anything now, which is what you we're can, talking about but before. But. The problem with that is it needs a learning system. So it's a, something that will take time to be implemented. But It's in progress. You need data points. You need a big sample size. Exactly. And so it has to Shit build its sample, sample size. size before it can analyze the sample size. So I guess we'll see. It'll probably just run it through simulations to make yeah. up for that. But... Regardless, um, that's about all. It, it is not doesn't mean it's necessarily going to be implemented tomorrow, but uh, on the show, we're going to start delving into a little bit more uh, technicals like this, security and uh, the likes. And so you'll see the upcoming shows. You'll so see. on, so on, so on. But Skynet, baby. Watch out. Terminator is coming to happen. Big brother. Microsoft starts it via gaming. <laughs> uh, I always right? figured it'd be Google through self-driving cars. Yeah, if you don't think China's already doing the shit, they already said that they're doing all the shit. Yeah, don't worry about it. We're already fucked, so it's fine. All right. Amen. <laughs> right? And now uh, on a positive moving- note. <laughs> <laughs> on a positive note, that's also a negative, but you could think it's positive or negative. I'm not really sure. We just want to give you the news that unfortunately, for those who were following Kotaku and that wonderful, wonderful website that was uh, writing a whole bunch of gaming articles, news came out recently that Kotaku and Deadspin's joint venture into esports coverage is shutting down, and that is the coverage titled Compete. So Compete has been effectively terminated, and all the writers have been terminated except for one editor who is actually remaining at Kotaku. The idea is that they were covering esports and they were doing it in a very sports basis. So if you ever go to ESPN, you understand that articles come out every day about every angle of every sport doing that. Kotaku was one of the first companies to join with Deadspin and create Compete, and Compete did the same thing just for esports. And like you covered all angles of esports, the players, the business itself, the gameplay mechanics, all the angles, the new metas, whatever the case is. But hey. Um, unfortunately, because Univision has decided to cut the budget, people got a business, man. And just like anything else, esports is a business at the end of the day. And I think that's the biggest thing to take away from this article. It's like if the money runs dry, people lose their jobs and that's what's happening. So fortunately, if anyone was reading compete articles left and right, you will no longer be able to read them. I'm sorry. Uh, but hey, wow, that's why you come they're here. Literally take, so they're literally what? taking it off. Yeah, no, it's gone. It's it's. Later. See you later. Adios. But that's, that's pretty like, intense. You know, so that's a wiping. It's good for it's good for us, and I'm, I'm not trying that, to be. I'm surprised they the guys that are saying they archive. They didn't archive that, and instead they just 
But no, regardless, it, I mean, like, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Univision. Tap, tap, tap. Tap, tap. <laughs> tap, tap. Yeah. Blah. Yeah. And we're here. Well, we're just. Guess what? Turn to podcast, turn to audio, and we got you. Facts. Or just get a transcript of this shit because we're going to start doing those soon. And mm-hmm. that'd be really interesting to read because I don't know what I'm saying. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> but. Hey. Hey. Now. On to a little bit of, damn, I'm really upset. This is happening so often that I regret not having a sound effect for it just yet. Just kidding. I don't know how loud this is going to sound, but it's the truth. Damn, I'm good. Damn, I'm good. (laughs) But that's because apparently... The French regulatory uh, body is looking to not regulate yet, but has begun to criticize loot boxes because if you all faith, if ye faithful listeners recall, <laughs> I had mentioned a few weeks back in a little segment called Solo Toots His Own Horn. Oh, God, what a recurrence. It's almost like a coincidence, but regardless, <laughs> enough of that. I had mentioned that unless the ESA or the ESRB started taking self-regulation with regards to loot boxes seriously, they were in danger of getting regulated by the government. And while I didn't expect it to happen here, I said that Europe was far ahead in regulating technology companies and their online digital marketplaces. That happened with the case of Nintendo, uh, Microsoft, Valve. Everyone had to basically change warranty policies uh, and... uh, return policies because the EU regulates. And so in the past couple of weeks, the Belgian authorities, the Dutch authorities, and uh, a few other countries have uh, started criticizing or attempting to regulate loot boxes. You know, obviously, we had spoken about how the Dutch were the strongest. The Valve was actually forced to pull skin trading for two of their games, Dota 2 and CSGO, in response to it because the Dutch authorities had given them six weeks, so respect. But here, the uh, ARJEL, it's the Authority to Regulation, the online gaming is what we're going to say here. But Angel. Um, Angel. And um, they basically spoke about how uh, they know that, because of the 2017 debate, just tying this back to a topic we were just talking about with the EA and the Battlefront 2, that it became so uh, big in terms of even the wider industry that it ended up uh, attracting regulation. So this is what you get, EA, for fucking it up for everyone. So if anyone's to blame. And so basically in the country right now, only two forms of online gambling are permitted. That's poker and horse, uh, sports betting and poker, because obviously they're French. And... They determined that loot boxes, if they were to determine loot boxes were gambling, it would be sort of the same thing with the Dutch, that they would either have to be approved by this French body or it would be considered illegal. And according to the body, it to classify an activity as gambling, that activity must be offered to the public. Hmm. A financial sacrifice must be made in anticipation of some gain. Hmm. And implied but not stated directly, there must be an element of chance. Hmm. That is a fairly consistent definition across their European Union's regulation bodies. What does that sound like to you, Lilo? Sounds a whole lot like 
fucking loot boxes. And so... Sounds like a lot of loot boxes, that's for sure. And there are going to be forced to look at loot boxes with particular consideration because there's no strict age gate to the games in which they're offered, which is what we'd been saying the entire time. And so while, you know, they're saying that it may or may not end up being gambling, is there a possibility that it has the effect of potentially normalizing gambling behavior and could inflict, you know, kids at a younger age just through the game and would sort of, you know, sort of have wider ranging effects throughout their lives. And so, you know, this is the same reason, the same thing we're talking about with the mental disorder of gaming, which was like, to a certain degree, you don't know how addictive these things are. And if you're going to tackle it at the root problem, if they say, yo, gambling is addictive, well, loot boxes just falls under the purview of potentially addictive gambling. It's not personal against loot boxes. It's just literally a slot machine and mm-hmm. so uh we'll see what happens um we're going to follow up because you know i've already guessed this right and i already know how this is going to end it'll end up eventually with the uh a few more countries getting in on uh their regulatory bodies taking a look at it and eventually it'll be brought to brussels which is the headquarters for the european union in which case they'll discuss strict regulations of uh game manufacturers and we'll end up seeing uh probably acceptance but with much harsher terms than they would have wanted and with a lot more regulations and a whole good lot for more. Gamers. Great for gamers. Great for gamers because we're going to get into something else uh, it, it very soon, which is also great for gamers and uh, which also gives us opportune to toot toot. Toot toot toot. All right, all right. Get into we it. We don't want... Yeah, we don't want you to back-to-back toot your own horn, so I'm going to have to cut you off there just to save the uh, listeners. Uh, In between, we're going to go into something that we actually covered back in episode 31, and this is about the League of Legends Clash mode that was recently released. So, back in episode 31, I spoke at length about how excited I was for this particular mode, and if you don't remember, this mode, Clash mode, is essentially in-game tournaments, and they're tournaments that League of Legends runs. That'll be three-day tournaments, and you can make your own team and you play. You can play in tournaments of four, tournaments of six, or tournaments of eight. And you go up and you essentially just battle people who are near your skill ranking as a team, the same way you would in Overwatch or something like that. You have match ranking, matchmaking, ranking, MMR, SSR, whatever you want to call it. It's all the same. But yeah, you play for in-game rewards and you play for essentially... They, they could act in the future as qualifiers for your region's tournaments. Now, what's funny is that League of Legends released this mode recently, and unfortunately, uh, they took it out. Why? Because it, they ran into a shit ton of bugs. These bugs really... Not even the bugs because they beta tested the shit out of this. It was bugs because almost every person who was playing League of Legends tried to do the tournament at the same time. They weren't expecting the volume, and that's what the problem was. So the same way um, Sea of Thieves, right, when it, when it launched on Microsoft uh, on Xbox, uh, same way Sea of Thieves started and had server issues is the same thing that happened with this new Clash mode that people weren't expecting. League was not expecting that there to be so many pre-made teams that... It literally, the servers could not handle it, and they ran into a whole bunch of just client crashing bugs, which is unfortunate. And so for the time being, they actually removed Clash, 
and <laughs> uh, you have to wait probably until the end of 2018 to see it back again. That is their priority. They've released a statement saying that, yes, bringing it back is their priority, but they were not expecting the volume, which caused a load on their servers because, and this is interesting, they did not expect their servers to have to create so many games at once. And that's the craziest part to me. It's like, I guess the way I, it brings up the discussions in my head, like how does Fortnite create so many games at once? Because there's just so many people playing at once. You know that you have multiple simultaneous games going on. Well, you League know, of Legends is just people. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, like a, I'm, I'm just I'm a little surprised. I mean, it's not a bad problem to have that you're you're having to delay full launch so because popular, of the volume. Right? But simultaneously, yeah. if you understand that you're trying to build this sort of behemoth, how do you why do you not come into it with these resources? Uh, again, I mean, it's a, it's just a planning fallacy is a real thing. Everyone over underestimates the cost, et cetera, so on and so forth. And right, to right, say right, that right, we just exactly. had more people than we expected, it's not like their own technical problem that I can That's sort a of good point problem at. Exactly. Have, really. Can't really point a finger at them. But we're going to stay, we're actually going to stay on the topic of uh, the, the, the riots, the riots, and the actually, actually, yeah, a little bit, a little bit on, uh, continuing on. With the riots, mm. uh, eh, we're gonna transition it, and we're gonna bring, <laughs> we're gonna just we're gonna, it, we're gonna transition it to Counter Strike, but we're gonna bring it back to uh, Riot and Riot? League of Legends in a moment, and that is specifically that the uh, Counter Strike uh, has a, has its first official. Players, professional players association, and that's pretty awesome. We had talked about it on the show in the past when the over when XQC from the Overwatch League was suspended back in like December or whatever, probably March, February, uh, and we had spoke about how what specific rules were violated, etc., weren't available. Mm -hmm. There was no code of conduct publicly available from the Overwatch League, and then it was leaked and. Uh, published by the journalist Richard Lewis, and everyone took a look and saw it was just as bad as you could potentially imagine it to be, and everyone sort of pointed at the fact that no professional esports association or league thus far has a corresponding uh, players union and that would be something that'd be important for young kids to have their well-being looked after it, it's in every professional sports league and if we're going to start considering esports amongst the you know level of these uh, other established entities then it's only fair that they also create the resources and the legal structures required to not allow protect these, the players yeah, man exactly, perfect and that's it protect the players and so uh, on that note the counter-strike professional players association uh, has gone public with a founding leadership board consisting of seven professional csgo players including uh espitacio de Mello, who is nicknamed taco and Tariq selic whose name is Tariq. uh those are their csgo Tariq. names and so that, that's pretty cool. Uh, pretty big names. Uh, they're big players on two of the biggest teams. One, Tariq is on Cloud9, and Taco is on uh, Team Liquid, formerly on SK Gaming. And so having these huge teams um, and these players uh, is going to operate. It actually was created in partnership with the Danish Elite Athletes Association, which is an 
a basically organization that serves as a union for athletes in Denmark. It also operates a union for Danish esports athletes. And basically, uh, the seven founding members of the board or, are going, or the leadership board, if they're reconfirmed to the board in the year, will be responsible for making uh, the decisions for the group. But the organization will be uh, operated by the uh, CEO of the Danish Elite Athletes Association, Mads Olen, and legal advisor, Mark Gildoy. Um, it's, it's the reason I wanted to mention Riot was because the apparently these guys are not the first to have a players union. It was actually Riot NALCS Players Association that ended up forming first uh, back in uh-huh, June. I didn't know that. Okay. And the difference here is that the CSPPA, which is the Counter-Strike, uh, geez, the Counter-Strike Professional Players Association from the NALCS uh, PA, is that Riot Games was the one driving the force behind their own players association, whereas this is an independent one uh, that will take in players that are both part of established league and that are also elites at a higher level. I think right, right. Uh, like streamers, etc. Probably even streamers, etc. And I think that's pretty interesting. I think uh, we'll, we'll see this happening in Overwatch pretty soon as well. Uh, it's good yep. to see the success of it in multiple games with this level of popularity. And, um, you know, here's hoping that the one that is independent is the one that flourishes because I, Valve is much cooler about being hands-off with regards to how some of these leagues, etc., and the game is organized with tournaments and whatnot, but I wouldn't trust Blizzard to be partnering with for a players right, association right, right. riot especially with the way they wrote their fucking exactly the, the players exactly and yeah, so it's I, like, got you. I, I feel you i have a question though i have a question for you and i'm actually genuinely clear, curious this is definitely not part of our regular scheduled discussion do you think there's going to be different players unions i mean obviously there is right now right what you just said there is obviously league of legends one for riot and there is one for counter-strike do you think there's going to be a global gamers union per se or do you think it's going to be individually per game i think there is the, the 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 potential for multiple different organizations vying to become the organization and the organization will only come by being recognized and partnered with by the publisher so it's like say smash ultimates coming out right they're gonna get smash leagues going like that's gonna be a big game for a couple of years and so why would they not establish uh, a players association there but you know you see what i'm saying well, but then yeah, yeah, one, no, I'm well, just uh, wondering if that umbrella falls under somewhere else. Yeah. There won't be a there won't be an esports quote unquote umbrella. It'll be per, but there's also like you know say five different organizations. Like hey, we're gonna we're the esports or you know union here, and so it's whoever's going to be most well run. Whoever gets the biggest name players will eventually become the default, and that's then true. all other ones will merge, and it shall be victorious. But <laughs> Pretty yeah, much. That's, 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 it's literally with everything. But yeah, that's going to happen until they actually take active steps to be like, hey, we should uh, figure this shit out. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. All right, but that makes sense. What can, that makes you, sense. Do? What can you do? All right, uh, let's bring it over to just news that it's really just a PSA, public service announcement for those people out there. Uh, if anyone is a member of Amazon, 
or you're an Amazon Prime member like myself, we just need to let you know for your Who isn't a Prime member? Yeah. Wait, what? Who, you're not? Who isn't a Prime member? Well, okay. Well, I mean, if you're a student, for sure, I know a lot of people listening are in college. You get that half off Amazon Prime. It's only 60 bucks for a year as opposed to the 120 it is right now for non students but anyway we digress the idea is that uh amazon is slowly changing the rules onto their 20 percent off discount and what they amazon cut out this time go on go, go on, on go on go on i'm gonna get i'm, okay, gonna I'm just gonna say what they cut off this time is that they no longer offer their pre-sale or pre-order discount 20 percent order discount on re-releases and remasters so we covered a couple weeks ago how Best Buy's Gamers Club has disappeared. It is now gone, and that allowed you to pay 30 bucks for two years, which gave you 20% off on games, and you literally make back your fucking money after two or three games. Great. That's gone. And so people turn to Amazon Prime as their prime place to get 20% off on games, 48 bucks, in case you're wondering, for a standard AAA title. And uh, that is slowly... That, that pot is shrinking the idea and so i don't know the idea is that i uh, hear the idea here is that you should be aware and it might just be going away completely so i don't know so what were you saying amazon has less reason to incentivize selling games because gaming is becoming so widely popular that these shits are selling themselves so why why give a discount to guarantee sales which remasters are becoming true so also, smart. and I would say the other part of that is Best Buy did price matching with Amazon. If Best Buy no longer offers it, why the fuck does Amazon need to do it? That's, yeah, exactly. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like exactly. Amazon is probably like, oh, guess what? Best Buy's not doing it. And they're the ones who are doing it. So fuck it. I don't need to do it. <laughs> Amazon has slowly pay become to- more and more and more expensive. Like 80, it started as $80 for Prime. Then it became mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one. Then became ninety. Then a hundred. Then one ten. Then one twenty. It's gonna go up to two three hundred dollars soon per year. And not there not really is no other service like it though. There is no other service. You get Prime Video, which has some pretty decent movies out. You got some great shows. You got all that music, unlimited photo space. I don't, I don't use that's Amazon all what Google offers for free. Enough but, about dude, Amazon, which I love crazy. because Jeff Bezos is lethal with it. Like seriously, he is. like yeah. He's a futurist for sure. That's for sure. We can't get Blue Apron as a sponsor because I know that's the usual podcast thing, but they're getting they're getting they're getting their lunch delivered to them by fucking Amazon. So shit. Anywho, Amazon sponsor us. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, right. Why not? I mean, shit. There's more random partnerships occurring than that, and actually, not this isn't really too random. But One Hundred Thieves, the Esports gaming brand started by uh, Matt ne- Matthew Nadeshot Hag and his team, which was uh, invested in by Dan Gilbert, who was the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, who were until uh, I want to say a few days ago a very relevant basketball team and a very valuable <laughs> basketball team. And now they're still a little less lower. So sorry, Nate Shot. If I was you, yeah. I would look for someone to buy out his stakes to get someone cool. And speaking of cool, that's what this Hundred Thieves brand sort of goes for. It's that like lifestyle brand. Wait till we drop the merch. It's not even a question. But Hundred Thieves is partnered with StockX. Uh, it is a stock market for things. And it basically uh, creates... Uh, 
a stock market for the value of commodities like sneakers and clothes, particularly major, basically sneakers only, um, for the most part. And so they'll give you, if you're not familiar with sneaker culture, there's many a people who buy them and resell them for value. So you know, if a new pair of Yeezys drop, say someone buys them and then they just wait for the value to go up or what the potential trending value is going to be based on the stock rarity and then they try to resell it for a pretty big margin. So not basically what people do a console's day of releases or I guess used to because now they, I guess that we, there hasn't been a console release in a few years. I'm sure that shit will happen again with the next ones. But anyway. I mean, it just happened on Switch. That's just, I mean, that's the same exact thing would happen on yeah, Switch. But yeah, exactly. But enough of that. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, I'm, it's cool to see uh, tech brands, I guess, get into it a little bit like that. It's a working partnership. We're going to get Nate out on the show eventually, so we'll talk to him about it then. I got nothing else to say to it, so Lilo, close it out for us. All right. Uh, I am going to close it out with a funny topic that we think some of you might care about. Others might not care about, per se. Others, sorry, I can't really enunciate right now. Others might find interesting. I know Sol and I haven't played this game in a while, but Niantic, Pokemon Go, they be making moves, okay? And in case you're wondering the moves they're making, they're making the same moves that they made before and they're running the same problems, and that's pretty much the moral of the story. So Niantic had a festival over in Dortmund, and it's called the Dortmund Safari Zone. Pokemon Go had their first big live event of the summer, and that's where it was located, but Unfortunately, from all the reviews that we've been reading, and this is coming directly from Tom Phillips at Eurogamer, they're running into the same problems that they did the first couple times around. Don't get me wrong, the NTIC was more prepared for this Safari Zone. Essentially, they rented out this big park in the heart of Dortmund. They had a whole bunch of special Pokemon Go events spread out across the city and obviously focused in that Dortmund park itself. They had extra cell towers, they had vendors, they had a whole bunch of tents set up, they had picnic tables and all this stuff. They released special in-game Pokemon for that particular area, and unfortunately, a lot of people ran into some problems, most specifically, and the funniest bug that they ran into was that all these players, so one of the features in the game is that you can release incense, right? And incense attracts Pokemon. So if you ever play Pokemon Go, the incense you use as you walk around attracts Pokemon to you, so you can just be on a, go on a catching spree, per se, right? They found out that when hundreds or thousands of people are using incense in the same spot, it causes a game-breaking bug and crashes your game and does not allow you to log back in for several hours. Now, imagine you flew or you took a train to go to fucking Dortmund in Germany just for a Pokemon Go event because it's the first one of the summer and you get some special Pokemon and then you can't log in for five hours. Would you be upset? I think yeah, I would be file upset. a class action lawsuit which Niantic <laughs> has already faced with this exact exactly. topic. And, and they already lost. And they're going to lose again because they all had to refund the claims of travel. So congratulations, Niantic. Um, I'm excited that you have your- You did it again. You did it again. You've had two fucking years to scale your shit. Because you knew you were going to get more people, but God forbid. You knew you were going to blow up when Nintendo was announcing the Pokemon, whatever, pick, go let's Eevee go. and pick Let's Go on fucking Switch. That is an unforgivable one. Probably with League of Legends, too. But, like, come on, son. I don't know who's making your decisions. Hit us up. We'll show, we'll show you how an organized, efficient 
masterful operation <laughs> runs. Obviously, it's like butter. I think son. Uh, the, like butter. Do you want another? There, like I understand what you're saying, and I completely agree with you that people have a right to be upset. Though the funny part is, there's gonna probably be no class action lawsuit. Why? They specifically advertise this event as free. And that's how they're going to get around it, if that makes sense. That's even what was covered. And this is an interview by Tom Phillips on Eurogamer about Pokemon Go. But because they advertise it as free, they're not looking into too many, like, they're not looking into a specific reimbursement for players who were not able to log in. To reimburse strictly if they were, they released a special Pokemon, right? No, exactly. But the thing is, to combat that, if you couldn't get the Pokemon, they're releasing it. Across, yeah, right. They're releasing Europe. it across the nation now, or across Europe rather, for 48 hours. They're giving you a timestamp where everyone can get it. That makes other know. people upset because they're like, I went to this specific event just to get that Pokemon. Why does everyone else get access to it? But there's no right answer here. The other class action lawsuit came across, you know, because people literally bought tickets to a convention. Like that was a convention where things were promised to the public and they never got them. This is a free event, and which is why the Antic is now running into too much heat over it. Uh, long story yeah. short, though, I think they understand, like, uh, the president, John Hank, he understands that they're having some growing pains, and this is what it's all about. You never know until you try, and you have to practice, so I think that's funny as hell. But I think... I don't know. I, I really got nothing else to say. You got anything else? Nah. I say we. Uh, I say we keep it moving. I say we keep it All moving right. for the people. And now we're All going right. to hit them with the game spotlight. Hey. All right. Hey. So that closed up quick scope, and now we're into the game spotlight. But the game spotlight this week is actually a fun thing that I'm currently actively playing with some of my friends back in dc and the game spotlight for this particular week is race for the galaxy if you've heard that name or you think it sounds familiar that's because it's a board game and it's been out for a while since i think 2008 though don't quote me on that it's been out for a while and thomas layman who's the creator of race for the galaxy has always wanted to port it over to mobile so what ended up happening is he got together with some people, they got together with some other people, and this game came out on mobile in December of this past year, so December 2017. Um, it was released as, well, it was released as the full game and you could download other expansions to it, but what's interesting about this is it was released by Templegate Games and they hired a specific vendor, a specific guy to create the AI for the game. And so, why am I bringing this up? Why do you care? Well, I've always been interested in board games that have been converted to mobile because I think mobile games and just the video game interface is much more efficient and quicker than regular games as you play in person. And then, the other thing is, like, for me, the biggest thing that I've noticed while playing this game is that I'm running into situations where I thought I was doing the right thing when playing video games, or rather, playing the board game of Race for the Galaxy, and I can't. So... Enough about that. What is Race for the Galaxy? Race for the Galaxy is a tableau building game where you're essentially trying to either win the game with victory points. Well, you're trying to win the game with victory points, but how do you do it? You can either take all the victory points that are in the game or you can complete all the worlds and max out your victory points that way. You have five separate actions that you're allowed to do. 
It's called Explore. You can develop, you can settle, you can consume and produce. And they're all linked to drawing and playing certain cards and selling resources for points. They can only be initiated in a given turn if the player chooses them. And if I'm playing with two people, we both get two choices. If I'm playing with three people, we all get one choice. If I'm playing with four people, we all get one choice. And the idea is that you go through and you kind of link board game or link cards up, develop goods, you know, sell them, get victory points, yada yada yada. It's actually really, really deep. And there's a whole bunch of card interactions and different strategies that you can utilize to try to get the most victory points to win the game. And really, I guess at the end of the day, I'm just super excited because this game is out on iOS. It is $7 for those who are wondering. It is $3 per expansion pack that you can get, and there's currently four out. And the coolest thing about the whole thing is that it is great single player. It is great offline. And that's because this guy who has crazy AI, AI is Keldon Jones. And it's a name that's been said around the video game atmosphere before. Kellen Jones has created the AI for Race of the Galaxy, and he created uh, a created an AI that essentially learns from your moves that you're playing throughout the game and adapts its own strategy to your moves so that it can always better you. And the coolest thing that I learned about this AI is that this AI is literally based on the hard mode. So you have three different AI levels. In any game, you're probably going to have easy, medium, hard, right? This AI is always hard. Why is it always hard? Because it's always going to choose the most efficient method to make the most points at any given moment in the game. And that is the hard mode. Great. Great. How does he make it easy or medium, right? That's what I was wondering. And it's apparently he introduces noise gates or different different barriers in the quote unquote neural network is how they described it of the AI so that it makes the least efficient choice as opposed to the most efficient choice and this is where we get really deep into it and i know solo and i will want to cover this at length another time but long story short this is an advanced ai in a video game and it's implemented in board games because it's a whole bunch of ifs and there are certain outcomes but when you get into um, shooter games and action rpgs it's a lot harder to create an ai like that right but i know between what Microsoft is doing and what they've said they're doing and other companies have said they're doing, AI is only going to get better. And that's what's most interesting about this, you know, particular game of Spotlight. This game of Spotlight has AI that adapts to you, adapts to the player and models its behavior off of you. The same thing is going to happen in fucking video games with 3D graphics and stuff like that. And you can only expect them to get harder and harder. And it's actually going to be really cool because you'll never know if you're playing a computer or a person. I really think that eventually it'll be just a... What is it? What's that word? It's not It's not ubiquitous. That's not what I'm saying. Omnipotent. You can't tell the, Wait, what was it? Um, no, they're God, not God. They're not God. Um, where you can't tell the difference. Like, it's completely blended. AI behavior and human behavior. It's seamless. Yeah, a seamless transition between their actions. That's not really it, but you understand the point. That's all I'm trying to say. Unity. (laughs) (laughs) Unity. We all become one. one. We we have become the computer. So uh, anyone who's interested in the game, check out Race for the Galaxy. It's on iOS and it's on Android. You can cross-platform. You can play. Seven bucks. Check it out. I'm a huge fan of the game. I played the board game a shit ton of times, and now I can play it on my phone with my friends across the country and makes things fun. Also, Settlers to Catan, same shit. Check it out. It's good. It's a good game. So it's not necessarily a board game, man, but uh, I think he actually might like this one because it's deep strategy, bro. Real deep. 
It's like next level chess, but not really, but kind of. Yeah, basically, <laughs> which I have not played the game, so I trust Levo and the game Fuego. So go play it and let us know what you think. And let us know mm-hmm. if any of the other ones, because we're going to start uh, a collection soon on a new to-launch oh, peoplelikegames.com yeah, one, which will include all of Lilo's game spotlights for you to play. And remember and enjoy. And hopefully we can get on the developers of the games in the future. So um, mm-hmm. that's about uh, that's what I have to add. Is that, uh, is that all you got for the folks with the spotlight? That's it. That's all I got. And... Now it is about time for a little segment we like to close out with called The Final Lap. And what is the topic today, Mr. Lilo? Mr. Lilo, sir? It's a good question. What is the topic today? I was uh, questioning that myself. Sol and I had a fun rant before the, the podcast went on. And this is trying I think to it's, figure it could out be a what final lap topic we were wanting to do. <laughs> it, it, it could be a two-parter, well, well, but it's pretty well, funny. This one is going to take a little bit because this one actually speaks a little bit to what we already assume because, and it's one of my right, favorite right, things, data, baby, data. This, data analytics. Data yeah. analytics. So that, that's what this uh, final lap is about. Specifically, uh, research was done into what are the top 10 motivations for gamers to pick up a game, and I think... And more. It, was, it, was, it also it, studied... Exactly. It is a large test, but it also studied why they didn't, and it was just uh, a psychological profile for gamers as a whole. We're, we'll link to it uh, in the, you know, when we put it up on Twitter and uh, in the show notes as well, so for you to yeah. be able to take Conclusions, it. Conclusions, awesome. And worth discussing, which is what we're going to do. So uh, without much further ado, we're going to break it down to some of the breakdowns of the profile itself. And so beginning with the top 10 gamers motivations. And so defined by them, uh, it is the 10 main motivations that lead gamers to play video games because... Uh, mm-hmm. And we're going to go from 10th to 1st, and basically... There you go. Yeah, the, I was, was going to make sure that we're doing the same thing. Exactly. <laughs> the, the language is important because these are specific tests, and that's how they're able to get this sort of data. And it's interesting because it sort of reflects that sort of inherent feeling that you have or that subconscious feeling that you think, oh, I, I think it's like that, and then to see data that backs it up in similar mm-hmm. manner. Mm-hmm. If any of you are interested in reading on top of gaming... Thinking fast and slow takes a similar uh, analysis of those sort of well-known truths and, you know, other cliches and truisms and then puts an actual data-driven analysis on them by creating their own test. It's cool. It's about behavioral economics and behavioral economics is dope. But now back to the point. Number 10, incarnation, which... Incarnation. What, What do you mean by that? Can you define it real fast? possibility to embody someone or something else the focus is on the pragmatic role it's possibility of action like tanking healing damage dealing casting magic spells oh okay all right so like literally becoming something different classes i'd say in heroes that's cool. yeah we're gonna take uh, forever if we read all of these like this for them so you're gonna do yours now and then we're gonna make them quicker. I gotcha. yeah then we'll do two at a time it's gonna be so it's gonna be oblivion is number nine, and that's with a ranking of 3.98. By the way, this ranking is from one or zero to five. Okay, so the closer yeah. it is to five, the 
higher the correlation is and the more people agree with it, okay? Closer it is to zero, the least people agree with it. So incarnation is 3.95, oblivion is 3.98. The next one after that is also 3.98, but that's progression. Progression is progression markers, so game ra- levels, rounding how people the bottom, go throughout the, the game. The bottom 10, I guess the bottom five is incarnation, oblivion, progression, difference, and gameplay, there you parentheses, go. Okay. depth. And so <laughs> I, I like that one. That one is defined as the gameplay is depth. It requires a lot of time to master all the subtlety, strong learning curve. This does not prevent it to be accessible. Difference is what just makes it unique in terms of got content. Progression is just progression markers, levels, characters, loot box skins. But yeah. now yeah. we will hit them with the uh, next three. I'll get them the next three. Hey, exactly. Hey. I was the next three. Because great minds. Uh, 4.04 is exploits. Okay. That is 4.04. And in fourth, with a 4.10, is freedom, freedom of movement, action, lean environment, whatever. And in third is history, relive or anticipate history with a capital H. Specific history. Call of Duty, World War II, Assassin's Creed games, that element of history to a degree. Yep, yep. Not Bioshock, I'd say. That doesn't fall into that category. I would would put that more so into difference, uh, originality, and game content. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then then in number two is rich gameplay, uh, parentheses, diversity, which is rich gameplay with numerous mechanics preventing routine, Makes sense. Kingdom Hearts, God you want to be able God to do, uh, dude. I I don't know. Don't spoil it, bro. And don't this spoil is actually. It, bro. I'm gonna steal number one from you yeah, because this actually relates to something we and I were just talking about last night. Uh, immersion. That's four point four one. The highest on motivation. That's distinctive atmosphere, polished, coherent, immersive. I guess that falls under what Bioshock is on top of difference. But last night we were talking about playing. Um, God of War and he's like why don't you go play on your monitor and I was like the problem is that right now I play on like a 65 inch screen and I sit at an angle that I become immersed in it which was the exact word we were talking about and when you play on a screen that's smaller it's it's a bit different you could feel detached and it's the same reason I sort of love watching particular movies in theaters because you want to sort of cancel exactly you want to cancel out like the you know you go into things with a certain amount of disbelief but at the same time if everything if you're sort it creates an atmosphere the atmosphere that you create for yourself while playing that game captures you into the atmosphere of the game more wholly and that's what's happening with god of war um the review coming 2020 election year (laughs) election year but yeah. What do, what, oh, do, yeah. what do you think of the list? Do you agree with it? Would you rank anything higher or lower than where it is already? No. Uh, well, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, before I get to that, because I actually did think about that, I'd say the, the reason why number one immersion makes sense to me, and it is so far above the other ones, with a 4.41, with the next one being 4.22, which is actually a big, big difference. Just like you play video games because you want to not experience reality the best thing about video games is that you can become something else it's right like the, it's and escapism it is 100 escapism that's, that's why we do it it's the same reason we read books and all that shit you want to escape from the reality that you're in but i'd say the biggest reason why it works so well and so well with certain games is that like 
God of War, for instance, and I would also go with The Witcher and what we read about in the book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. Just like... <laughs> these... Sorry, Solo's also talking to me, <laughs> this motherfucker. He's trying to throw me off my game. Uh, I think you'd agree with me in that the reason why these games are so popular and they are the top-rated games of all time, for instance, God of War being one of them that Bioshock, is probably going to be up on that list Dead, and all that stuff. Halo, Maybe Bioshock, right? Pokemon. The level of detail that goes Pokemon's into the there. world and the creativity leads to the immersion, right? And I think that's the number one factor. It's the details that the team puts, the developers put, into the game itself that leads you to believe that uh, it's a it's fully not only fleshed details. out world. Detail, details is just one piece of it because there's a lot of beautiful games with no substance and it really I don't mean visual oh, I mean details in terms story. of story yeah, I mean details yeah, yeah. in terms of the articulation of the voice the voice actors you, you get like the facial features the facial cues the sound that is played as you walk through tall grass like those level of details it's not don't get me wrong yes there's a lot of visually stunning games out there but I do think the level of immersion goes down to what CD Projekt has said for The Witcher in Blood Sweat and Pixels is Every quest they wrote in the game, and there's like literally thousands of quests, every quest went through like six or seven reviews. Six or seven reviews until they found the perfect text to go in the quest scrolls. And they found the perfect items to get that related to something later in the in the book. If you saw a web of how everything was interconnected, literally everything was interconnected. You know what I mean? Nothing st- stood alone. The same way Skyrim, you could do the storyline and then do the story, uh, the side quest later and you'd still be fine. You know, mm-hmm. everything was interconnected. And that's a level of detail that is unprecedented in games, which is which leads you to be immersed. Everything everything leads you to believe that that world is real that has been created specifically for you to experience and that leads to immersion i don't know i'm going on a rant because i'm excited but like um, i 100 agree i think you know so much of that goes into it and escapism is a primary form and i think you know one of the questions they they could have included what was Social, there was no social elements to it. I think that could have been a driving, you know. I think that could have been a, a top three one if they said, True. you know, do you play video games to, to play com- with friends, to be competitive, to be social? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that would have been top three mm-hmm. if they added competitive as well. Um, and so they, they actually did mention that later. Just saying, in all the statistics, they I know, talk but about I think competition, competition in the form of video games is important enough to at least merit its own word category. Yeah, category, word category, which is what these are. But okay. yeah, but they have they have some pretty good ones. Um, and actually, no, apparently this is a, a bit longer. So apparently, questions ten to twenty do do include a bit longer one so I, I, I'm sorry I think I may have misspoke fully on that because I thought I had the full PDF but apparently the PDF links to a different PDF no yeah I got you there's there's definitely more uh, yo let's talk about the number one flop aka the number one thing that turns gamers off about a game oh hardly no they just sort of escape it expand on it a bit more they don't actually I, you, I was just reading it further into the. <laughs> I was like, where, the, where are you right now? What yeah, is going I, on? I clicked Sorry, over, buddy. and then I found that they broke it down into four overarching, uh, or no, themes? a few, few overarching themes. So it's accomplishment, emotional, rules, routine, sensory, and social. 
That's six so things. Holy they shit. should have included, you know, five, five, for the five, that's five. Okay, okay. Um, I thought th- those are good, um, and they 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 basically pretty much touch on it. If you if you take the test, you you'll get your game profile, then you'll be able to fit in. I think everything's basically the same, but we'll touch on that. But yes, now to what you were saying, the top ten the biggest, the bottom ten motivators for wanting to play a game, which is no one gives a shit about this. Yeah. So, starting with number ten, I'm gonna read three at a time and we're just gonna go back and forth till we get to one and then we'll go back over all Deal. of them so first tenth touch ninth <laughs> first tenth yeah exactly Confusing as hell. Tenth. touch <laughs> ninth all finding right. in real life love partner eighth earnings womp, womp, womp. okay seventh recognition womp, ways to be known womp. by the public sixth repetition redoing the same shit over and over and over nobody likes crying too much well, some people do, but nobody really likes it. Fifth, being outside forces you to go outside of the house. <laughs> That's funny. That completely that negates literally what Pokemon Go is all about, but going outside your house. So yeah, yeah, they <laughs> that's are, number yeah five. basically. <laughs> that's actually really weird. All right. What you now got? Now do movement is number four. Uh, number three is arousal. Parentheses. Sexual. Sexual. It is more sexual. That's the third least thing, though. That's yeah. actually impressive. I would expect that to be higher. I don't, um, I, I don't think so. You can't get you can't get too much porn out of game. All right, all right. What's the second one? You, you got me. You did, right, take yeah. the last uh, two. Finding. La- wrap it up. Finding your in real life sex partner. That is apparently not on people's minds when playing video games, which I actually would agree with. It's not like I fucking care about that shit when I'm playing games. And number one, number one thing that apparently is least correlated with motivation for gamers, which I think is very, very funny because I don't believe it, is a spending. People care the least about spending or they're the most turned off about spending. And that's that's what we get from this data set. The reason why I find that funny is that everything we've been fucking covering for the past couple weeks illustrates how big the gaming market is growing and how much money they're making. A lot of it is based off of microtransactions and people paying to do things. A lot of people do pay to play the games. I think there might be a separation between them wanting to pay and them being willing to pay, and that's the thing. That's what I think this statistics statistical set might be missing. It's that... People don't want to pay for games, but because of their addiction and everything else that draws them to a game, they're willing to pay for a game. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, that, that's the thing where it's like the, de- the debate about, I guess it becomes sensitive because I'm, I'm a fervent capitalist, but the fact that, you know, to the degree that skins should be considered integral to the game, especially if you can't buy anything else. So to be, mm-hmm. a, you know, so... Uh, is spending the spending is just part of it where no matter how it's like it's like it's like being part of like watching the marvel movies right if you watch one marvel movie i yell man this movie suck when the next one comes out you're gonna go watch it like (laughs) it's just a fact so it's like yo man this sucks all right i'm just gonna buy the sequel when it comes out anyway you know maybe yeah fuck it because i need to know i need to know what happens i need to know what happens or Maybe it'll be different, and hey, we're looking at you, Destiny 2. But seriously... Preying on the optimistic nature of human beings, that's for sure. Yeah, but on a more serious note, um, yeah, I, I just I just think that it's not even addictive. 
Oh, there's so many elements to gaming as just a form of entertainment. And so the same way people go to movies or watch Netflix. So if someone sits there, there's enough jokes about, you. I sat there for eight hours and watched Netflix. So it's like... That's true. Why can't you do that with gaming? Oh, you're so fucking weird. And you're like, I was interactive. You sat you exactly, there like a zombie. That's, you literally sat there. I was talking to people online. Exactly, and that's or what I think not, about. Like, know, it's whatever. It's so. a more revolutionary tech, you know, form of narrative in that sense, especially going back to immersion and then seeing where spending comes in because I'm realizing that good narrative single-player games, campaigns properly made are more enjoyable like i feel in the weeks that i've been playing god of war more fulfilled in the time i'm gaming than if i go and i play fortnite for three hours like i I get it but i think people are skewing towards the concept of like streaming sports and popular esports instead of you know or at least the media narrative creates that even in gaming where it's like you know, PlayStation. That's why PlayStation Four sales are killing it. I think it's like a quiet majority, and now people are realizing it. Xbox realized it. Nintendo's realizing it. To be like, yeah, everyone loves online gaming, but we really could do something cool with stories. I'm someone, as you know, with my love for Bioshock Infinite, is someone who's looking for more from video games. The fun versus depth argument and that's where you know my answer to the top 10 that could have moved up is i think depth could have been moved up a little bit as well i should have said that but um another i guess the last part of the test is that they also compared the differences between uh genders as well as amongst uh a few different uh countries specifically the locational divides north america south america and the european union and yes. those three comparatives, I guess, didn't really show something, anything too crazy. What about you? The idea was that everyone's in line, essentially, is what I got. Yeah, exactly. Almost everyone was I statistically think close. What the lesson I got from it is that people more so tend to focus on our differences rather than our similarities. And I think the the core, the the, the small percentage that not there's only like one or two of these topics that even break a one deviation difference. And so a lot of them are under 0.5 deviation, even between genders, between age groups, et cetera, which means that, you mm-hmm. know, gaming is sort of a, regardless, it, 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 it's a block demographic to a degree. And even though there's niches all within it and fighting games and first person shooters and this, that, and the other, to a certain degree, the motivations are the same. They're just expressed differently. And so someone who loves first-person shooters could hate Call of Duty but be obsessed with Halo. And the same way, you know, someone who, you know, hated, you know, PUBG and the Battle Royale concept is addicted to Fortnite. And so, you know, because of that, I think that's uniform. It's good to see... It just shows we're all alike, and it's re- going back to, I guess, to finish off my monologue for the show, or my part of the monologue for this closer, is relates to what we talked about in the birthday special of uh, Yo, Yo Birthday, Yo Birthday being moi, which was um, <laughs> the definition of a gamer, and these statistics show that, you know, there's a lot less difference amongst us all, and so... Everyone's a gamer that games is literally shown in the numbers. And so we're going to post up the stats. You'll see 
it correlates. I lost a bet with Lilo because Mofo Mofoka <laughs> had to go over one hour because mm-hmm. he was just talking yeah, and talking, and here I was being succinct my fault. and mm-hmm. straightforward and to the point and not rambling incoherently. Yep, yep, yep. As per usual, but I, I couldn't that. help it. I was so, you know, I think next week I'm just going to sneak up on the mic and just record an episode with Lilo. Big, hey, hey. <laughs> Super quick, Super 30, quick minutes, 30 minutes, baby, he's done. And the whole episode will be about what Lilo wants to do on the show. Actually, I, 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 I could have thought of something more clever before I said it. Before yeah, I that was my bad. Mouth. That's bad. You tried. You tried. tried. It's, it's I tried. Late. Don't worry about it. Don't worry, buddy. Yeah, you failed. But that's right. Nothing usual or nothing unusual about that statement. But uh, it's cool. It's cool. Just to reiterate. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Get ready for the... That's the ad of this show now. Ay. And uh, just one final note. We are going to drop a few segments over the course of the next week, um, but none of them are going to be full episodes. Uh, we're just practicing a few new things, and you might see a few interviews, and you'll see content coming in different forms from us, but it won't be a full episode. Maybe till for the rest of July, maybe not. Keep your radar locked. Yeah. We'll be on active on Twitter. We're going to be moving, so, you know, we're going to be cutting up a few of our old episodes. We're doing a whole lot coming up, so stay tuned. Don't lose your focus yeah. because if you ain't know... Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think. If you ain't know about the brand, you're going to know. Real soon, now real you know. soon, real soon. Hell we yeah. compete. Anyway, we will write us out. Alright, uh, yo, thank you very much for listening. Of course, again, with some quick plugs, just hit us up on Twitter, on Instagram, on every other form of social media that we are present on, because we're present on all of them. Uh, yeah, just let us know what you think, and of course, like Solo said, we'll be releasing things the next couple of weeks, however, they might not be full episodes. Let us know if you like the new content, let us know if you don't. Um, we're getting ready for our big grand relaunch Um, thank you for listening this week and we hope you enjoy a majority of your summer the days that you don't hear us you won't enjoy but the rest of the days you should enjoy so that's that's where we go all right talk to you later